From Hill Street Blues to TJ Hooker. Oh yeah. From Murder She Wrote to Cop Rock. Oh yeah. From Dallas to Briscoe County Jr. Oh yeah. It's time for the Robert O'Reilly Appreciation Society. No, I didn't think, I never think about out what I'm going to say, but I always think about thinking out what I'm going to say, and then I never do, and then I'm like, oh shit, I didn't do that. <laughs> In any case, hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition. Yep, you know it. Probably, well, I don't know what you know. You've listened to this podcast before, if you're just jumping in because you love the Quark episodes. This is a podcast where we're going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the best podcast. I mean, Deep Space Nine is the best show about objectivist aliens. Yes. Yeah, and this is the best. We're the best podcast. uh, podcast I mean, like, yeah, yeah, no, we're the best podcast. (laughs) Ira Glass, suck our dicks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right, then it's fighting words, everybody. Come at me, bro. <laughs> Come at me, Jesse Thorne. Um, that was James Nolan. Hey, sorry. I'm, if you have, if you have any, if you believe that Jesse Thorne or Ira Glass are better, you can come after Wade, who's next. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, I think maybe I could take those guys in a fight. <laughs> I don't know. Ira Glass is wiry, man. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm, they probably outweigh me uh, i'm in bed oh oh wait a minute i should get back to the podcast that we're doing instead of <laughs> talking shit yeah my name is wade bowen but more importantly also in addition to me and james we also have hugh crawford hello gentlemen how we doing little uh we're little wiry here today yeah, we're, we're punchy today <laughs> coming in a little hot yeah yeah maybe i'm a little yeah a little discombobulated i did not know that until two seconds <laughs> Well, today uh, we're talking about the House of Quark, which is the third episode of season three. It originally aired October 10th, 1994, and the IMDb description is as follows. Quark is forced to marry a Klingon widow after he takes credit for the accidental death of her husband, the head of a powerful Klingon house. That's sort of, uh, that's sort of wrong because uh, the Klingon... House is not very powerful, <laughs> as we find out in the episode. And uh, anyway, so yeah, here we are. We're on episode three, season three, and we just finished a two-episode story arc. And here we are with one of the series' favorites, Quark, and a show that focuses almost solely on him. But the B-plot is actually has to do with Keiko O'Brien yeah. Yeah. and her well-being. Arguably, this is a three-episode story arc because the end of season two was to be continued. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's an excellent <laughs> just, point. Just, just saying. No, 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 that's, a, that's an excellent, excellent point. And this, the B-plot really carries the ball down the field quite nicely, actually. I really oh, yeah. like this episode. This, this, I'm going to come out of the gate just letting you guys know this might be like my top ten in my oh, top makes- ten, all, all, all Deep Space Nine episodes. Wow. That makes me happy because a both a I thought you would particularly love this episode, and I particularly loved this episode. Okay, I th- this episode fucking sucks. Well, no, no, <laughs> I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. I actually really like it. I, Why? I wanted to say. Why did you think I would like it, James? I think that it's a. I think that you're you're a fan of the of tightness. Yes, and it's a pretty tight. I also think that you're a fan of putting people in heightened situations and watching them sort of 
squirm out of it in realistic ways. Yes. Which is sort of what this episode is. So I, yeah. I, I know enough about your, your your taste to know that this was in your wheelhouse. Okay. And you know how I'm a stickler for world building. Mm-hmm. And I think this this particular episode does something that almost no Star Trek episodes do ever, which is take two alien cultures and sh- like and have them juxtaposed without humans being in the equation at all. Yes. The A-plot had... Yeah, there really are zero humans. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, true. Yeah. It's fan- you never see that in Star Trek. You never see, like, the Andorians and Vulcans just by themselves. That would be, and like, a whole episode about that, that mm-hmm. culture clash or whatever. Here you've got two species that are about as opposite as you can get culturally, and a really... <laughs> oddly realistic story about what happens when you take, you know, a conniving character who accidentally buffaloes his way into a Klingon house and has to, I mean, accounting is a big part of this (laughs) episode. That's what saves the day. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And it it really, his, his knowledge of Excel and accounting. (laughs) Yes. And he can really work in an old vintage joust cabinet. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I'll explain that <laughs> reference when we get to that scene. Well, yeah, like the old arcade joust, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I thought this was like a... One of the things I want to ask you guys out of the gate, though, I'm sorry to interrupt, James. Uh-huh, I just, I, I, this is something I seriously don't know. And you two are two grown men in serious relationships at various stages. Um, I cannot figure out, is Keiko really upset that the school closed in that opening scene or when she says she's fine, is she really fine? I can't figure, I can't figure that out. Oh, really? And I, I watched the scene twice (laughs) and I've tried to, and I'm like, is she, she says she's fine and there's nothing on her face that says she isn't like, (laughs) <laughs> See, that your your response there actually is actually part and parcel of how I felt this episode dealt with women. It's like women, man, I don't understand them. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> I I'm gonna be that. I'm gonna be the with, sensitive uh, guy. O'Brien's like, I don't get it, but then he no, gets no, good advice. I'm a sensitive. From, I think I'm a sensitive guy. <laughs> I think you I'm are too. From a storytelling yeah. aspect, I know there was but... like when she has her face to where O'Brien can't see her expression. Her expression doesn't reveal any sort of inner turmoil at all. Okay, partially. Okay, maybe. I think, okay, this is a Ronald D. Moore script. So this is the second one after the first episode. And I think that this is a masterclass in, like, I like Ronald D. Moore. Obviously, he's wrote, I haven't seen Outlanders. Oh, is this a Klingon episode? Of course, it. I should have guessed it. It's a Klingon episode. Yeah, 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 it's Ronald D. Moore. It's the first non-time that, like, the keys to the Ferengi culture have been handed over to someone other than I receive a bear. On this show. Uh, so I, okay, what I. And it starts off with a false rule of acquisition. Yes, a <laughs> made up rule of acquisition. They gave the keys to somebody else, but they won't give them an actual rule. They'll give them rule 286. <laughs> Sorry to jump yes. jump on your jock there. No, that's fine. No, okay. <laughs> but when Morn leaves, it's all over. Oh, yeah, and Morn gets laid. It's first, a friend of Sorry. the podcast, Morn, gets, uh, yeah. gets, gets a little <laughs> bit of pussy at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> <But> <laughs> right. He's like, or I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'll take this. this Inferno. Uh, yeah, I said, I don't know if she's a double girl or if she's just a whore. <laughs> or maybe. A little bit of both. You know, hey, I'd take it all. Morn is a charming guy. By all accounts, off <laughs> camera. 
Yes, yes. He's a gentleman. Um, so I think that this episode, I think that Ronald Dean Moore does one thing well, and I think it's relationships. I actually think that she, all of those steps that in that conversation where he comes home like Al Bundy, and he gets a beer from the fridge, and he sits on the couch, <laughs> and I swear he almost put his hands in his pants. Right. And he's clearly, he sees that she's obsessing over the plants. It's not anything on her face. It's what she's actually doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that she's upset that the school closed. It wasn't that she was invested in the school. She was invested in doing something. I think that comes out later. I agree with you. Yeah. But when I'm watching that scene, it ends and it's still a mystery to me how she really feels. I think, but maybe the show is trying to put you, the scene is trying to put you in O'Brien's shoes where he's like, oh yeah, it's a mystery. Yes. <laughs> like, I think like I've got to figure out like, and I think that, yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that She's sending out, you know, like... Unhappy. She's not happy, but the school's not the root of it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's... You know, they get to that a little later on when Bashir... Of a, mm-hmm. I think we should just blow through the B pot real quick. Oh, what quick. the fuck yeah. with the Bashir? Yeah. Bashir just like fucking evolved to like twenty generations, yeah. like in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> he's hey, he's been playing the game for a while now. He knows how to read women. Uh, I think that Ronald D just more just said, "Fuck it, I'm going to make him into like a grown ass human being, like I like to write. <laughs> I'm not going to play around with." Him. <laughs> yeah, like you know what? Yeah. Nobody's really given him much character anyways. Like, fuck it. I'll just make him a, a fully formed human <laughs> being. Nobody else With perceptive yet. insights. Yeah. And so Bashir is actually very perceptive and helpful. And I was thinking, this does this makes no sense for the character. And it must have just been Ronald D. Moore's prerogative. <laughs> but it, it would have actually made more sense coming from Jed Zia Dax, having been in several mm-hmm. s- successful, what I assume are successful marriages. Right. But they give it to the guy, the bachelor, who's <laughs> known for, you know, being... Well, I think there's two reasons for that. All right, hit it. One, it's... Because it's O'Brien and Bashir, and they're the ones they're setting up to be the the drinking buddies. Yes. Like we're going to talk about our lady problems or whatever. And I never get on board with that. So go on, yes. <laughs> right? And I'm sorry. And but that's the only reason that this plot was written. That was the only reason this plot was written. By the way, is to get to get that started. Oh wow! But you can go on. The other thing I think it does for Bashir is makes him. It shows part of the skills that make him a good doctor. He's perceptive and he's able to diagnose and like, here's my prescription. Well, I could tell you that this telling her a smile and words will give you two hours. And also, this also goes back to him being a game. <laughs> a pickup artist? A, a PUA? Even though the game hasn't been written yet. Oh my gosh. A pickup artist. He knows all the... Like, hey, oh, he's, Is Bashir mystery? Is he... <laughs> he's, willed it, he's whittled it down to math. Like, okay, well, you know, a smile and word, and I'm going to say, he sounds like, I'm going to make him sound like an awful bro douchebag, where like, a smile and words will get you two hours, a flower will get you a week, Arboretum, uh, let's say I'll give you two months. But his performance, it's actually not a douchebag asshole. It's like, oh, that's perceptive and nice. And it's like him being like, okay, this is, this is what I prescribe. This is what you should do. And he gets to the heart of even the, psychi- the psychology of Keiko. It's like, Hey, man, you can give her this stuff, but you got to get to the root that would alleviate some of the symptoms of the problem. But the illness or the root problem, which is what the doctor is supposed to get to, is that like if she's not doing she's not doing what she loves, her job and it's like, oh, you're going to make it a hobby. Well, she, she's not going to. She, you can't give her a hobby. She needs to have her 
career back. But it's so weird that Bashir was make, like forcibly having uh, O'Brien be empathetic. Like he's never been empathetic before in his life. Like, <laughs> would, would you be happy, you know, just tinkering? Well, well no, I guess not. You know, so it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, this is this is a whole new territory for Bashir. Don't get yeah, me wrong. It's, it's weird. But, yeah. you know, I, I'm not, I mean, it was, yeah, it's, I guess, Yes. It's weird, but it's welcome. Like, oh, finally. If that's the biggest weakness of this episode, that's a welcome weakness. I well, guess. the weakness is, are you, so the weakness is, is that the character development that would have got us to this point didn't exist, but we're here now. Exactly. Yes. Where we're finally now have like a, an intelligent, nuanced character. It's not a clear path to get here. Okay. Yeah. How we got well, 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 wait, let me- My other kind of weakness for the whole thing is like it's just like a bunch of bros talking about like right. women right how do we fix women or women? i don't know like there's the scene when o'brien goes in to guy talk with cisco but i think some of this was actually in sight i i did too because his ultimate thing was to think of him like a person yeah, think of her a like person. a person it actually works yeah though, so. yeah okay but here's here's the thing with so, Bashir though i here's what we could have done with him for the last two seasons we could have given him one deep and meaningful relationship after another, and in each one ends in some sort of like horrific tragedy that's out of his control. <laughs> like he could have been like Peter <laughs> Parker, right? He could have had like season one, he could have had a Gwen Stacy, you know, and then season two, he could have had something like, you know had another like so he actually is a like well-meaning <laughs> he has to make a deal with the devil and annul his marriage with Mary, Mary Jane. <laughs> right. well i mean my point is that he could have been like an earnest person who was welcoming love into his life but was like circumstances on the frontier had yeah. other plans for him that would have been and having him constantly deal with that would have been more interesting than him just like getting drunk and chasing after Jaxia. Oh, oh, don't get me wrong. Yeah, there's a multitude of ways they could have done Bashir better for the first two yeah. seasons. Yes, but up until now, I couldn't even get a glimpse of it. Like, yeah. I, every time oh, yeah. Bashir came on the screen for the first two seasons, I'm like, what are they, what? Why even have a doctor, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, I mean, he's, he's practiced very little medicine the first two seasons, guys. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree with you. It's sure. um, Yeah, you're right. Okay. I, I want to get up. Let's, He's been dead. Let's wait, move okay. on to the. So for, well, no, because I want to stay in this oh, stu- yeah, like, subplot. Okay, we just go finish ahead. out the B plot before we. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. okay. So two things. This was introduced only at the end of it, at the end of the plot plot part of it. He goes and he finds Keiko a job doing a botanist, a botany survey. Expedition to. Ex- yeah, to Bajor. An agrobiology expedition to the Janitsa Mountains. <laughs> So my favorite thing is such yeah, a classic, it's such a classic man thing where he finds her this job and she goes, I can't leave my husband and my daughter. And he goes, oh, you can take her with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, right. like, leave me on the, like, we got a dartboard. We got, we got, we got handball. <laughs> I'm fine. Don't worry about it. You take our kid on a rugged expedition. <laughs> <laughs> right. You take her out on her camping trip. Save me some sweat and like I don't so I don't have to I, I do get it. that the whole perverting theme of the whole pervading theme of this episode or a, a subcurrent of this episode where like the starting incident is that the Dominion has chased off a lot of the civilian life of Bajor. Yeah, and I'd love to... So, in theory, I could see that he thinks that it's uh, it's safer for Molly to be in the, in the barren wilderness of Bajor than on the ship. No, I think... But he's absolutely right, because they've talked about collapsing the wormhole, I think, every episode since the finale, right, guys? Yes, yeah, yeah, that's been a thing. That's been uh, two episodes, yeah. Yeah, but nonetheless, it's a th- I, I get that there's a there's an extreme... The, the situation has changed, situation 
situation normal is all fucked up. Yeah. So the whole plot line was to get Keiko out of the show. <laughs> That's what I was because O'Brien was too tied to Keiko, therefore couldn't fall in love with Bashir. That they couldn't have their, their sort of bromance. Really? And so the writers wanted to get her out of the show for a little while so that O'Brien could be lonely and would have a reason to sort of ape onto Bashir because it wouldn't be believable. They wanted to start this friendship between the two of them, but clearly, like, the Miles O'Brien they'd set up would have much rather have been at home with his wife than hanging out with Bashir. Yeah. And so they had to hey, create, a, like, a void. It, it's pretty clever. Yeah. And it works, yeah, like, hey, you I know. I thought it was like, it wasn't just because, like, we really hate working with Rosalind Chow. She's paying the ass. No, no, no. <laughs> Actually, she's fantastic. No, she's great. That's like, yeah. I'm yes. like, no, don't, don't anybody yeah. take that wrong and think I'm shit talking Rosalind Chow. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't know what's going on. When I see a show and they lose certain actors, the cynical part of me thinks, did they get rid of them for story reasons or was that actor a pain in the ass to work with? Maybe, maybe Rick Berman just found that Rosalind Chow's small tits shouldn't have been on set for a while since it turns out Rick Berman was a colossal cunt. Like, but, um, he was a, but, kind uh, of an asshole to Terry Farrell. Yes, uh, about her, physic- about her physical... Makes me feel, who did a great job in this episode, I thought. Uh, this one scene she Oh had. my God, I don't even know the scene that Terry Farrell is in. It's when... Um, it's this... The beginning. When O'Brien comes in to Cisco's office, it's a great scene, actually. Cisco is talking to Kira and yes, um, yes. Dax about like upping security, like and they're running battle simulations, and they're like, "Well, this is what we got to do." And then O'Brien comes in, is like, "Can I talk about lady problems?" And then Dax is like, "Oh, he probably wants to guy talk. I've been married to men and women." Yes, but like her delivery on that is it's actually really great. I don't even remember the line so much. Okay. But it's like, finally... I just, like, yeah. To let our listeners behind the veil, Terry Farrell is paying Wade for every compliment that he gives her. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> That's how we make money, but no. No, um, <laughs> no she's actually good in this. No, but okay, the one other thing I was... I mean, it's only one small scene. Yeah, that's fine. I didn't remember it, but it's because it wasn't a rememberable scene. Yeah, but and then the other thing in that scene, I sorry, sorry. That's all right. It was like, Cisco is just like, there's another white house. Cisco's not Picard, because O'Brien comes in and like, can you give my wife a, a cargo bay for her arboretum? And Cisco's like, oh, is your wife unhappy? Yeah, let's give her an arboretum. I'll do whatever it makes. Picard would be like, what? I don't understand. That's not a bomb. Fuck that. Right, exactly. No, I love I love how ride or die Cisco is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's like, that, 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 that is one of my... Like, hey, I want all wives that are not dead to be as happy as they can be. Yeah. That's actually, that's actually, Cisco, that's, that's a great Cisco moment uh-huh. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And in fact, I think that one of my favorite, up to this point, one of the best Cisco moments is his scene with Keiko in the episode where they think O'Brien Brian's dead. Oh, yeah. Armageddon game or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a good scene where he gets to go to her and he encapsulates what it was like for his wife to die. Well, no, it's a shame that Keiko can't, isn't like a science officer on Deep Sea. Like, she, it's a shame that, that she's not a, a fixture in the show. Yeah. I mean, I understand what they're trying to do, but uh, I think you guys, the case that you guys made for O'Brien early on was the fact that he was a family man <laughs> and that he had actual stakes little higher than the other crew members Mm -hmm. and for them to take that away just so he could be 
Oscar and Felix uh, <laughs> to Bashir is sort of doofy to me, but whatever. I mean, I hey, his family will come back for some episodes. I I know, I know, and but then, uh, and then at the end of that Cisco scene, Kira is like, "What? What is this about?" And then Dax is like, "Oh, they want guy time." And then Kira's like, "What is that? Like a human thing?" And Dax is like, "Yeah, I've been married to blah blah blah." And then Dax walks out, and then Kira's just leaning up against the desk with her feet up, and then Cisco's like. No, seriously, we're having guy time. You need to get the fuck out of the office. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, what? Oh, really? Okay, fine. Weirdos. Um, Is there, in the history of Star Trek, outside of Miles and Keiko, is there a healthy relationship, period? Um, I don't think at this point in Star Trek, I think there is later. Where? There is. Yeah. When? I think you could make a case for Balana and Tom Paris. <laughs> yeah, was, you sound so sad when you admit it. Oh, okay. So yeah. I don't know. Okay, yeah. That's my blind spot. Is later, no, later. Day. I was gonna say that is. Yes. I wait a minute. She fucks Tom Paris. They get, they get married and have children. Yeah, dude, James. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. You should shut it down. I'm sure. I, I don't know. I don't <laughs> know Voyager. Down. Lock it up. Uh, Moving on. I don't know Voyager, but she. I, I watched the first season of Voyager. Yeah, you don't know Voyager. She's too good for him. She's too good for him. <laughs> yes, right? Voyager. Yes. She's too <laughs> no, you're not wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you are not alone. <laughs> okay. That. So that's just my initial. Okay. So okay. Yeah, so yeah, outside yeah. of that. This, this, this is a, did, and they is have all children. About marriages. And they have children, right? You're saying? Yes. Okay, so that's weird. I was thinking that this is like the, and this is obviously the first time chronologically that they've shown anyone having to make, like, he makes a decision. Like, I mean, it's, here's the, here's the inside dope on men. Men, married men, especially longtime married men, and I like to think that probably we are, are locked step into our, like, we want our wives a part of our life. Even men who cheat, and I don't know, I mean, even men who cheat want the wife that they picked to be their wife for life. They just don't want, they don't want their extracurricular activities to be affected by that. Like, they don't, like, men never, it seems like, I mean, they do, but men almost never willingly leave their wives. And I think that O'Brien's got that in him. He, you see him. When he comes in and he's bitching about his day at work and he gets a beer from the the synth ale and he sits down on the couch like that's him he he's happy he's he's had a fulfilling day at work he's gonna bitch about it for a little bit have a beer and then he's gonna move on to like go to bed you know and that's his happy life and she's not happy and to see him like having to navigate that and what he ends up saying to her at the end is that I'm not happy if I know that you're not happy. And, like, that is such a high level of, like, relationship growth. And and that is where I think that when you see that, that was just a shock of, yeah, a shock of recognition, but also, like, a maturity of character right? that we have really never seen before. Yeah, especially Star Trek is all about Captain Kirk because the, you know, iconic, hey, he fucks anything. You can't tie him. Yeah, down. adventurous sex. Even yeah. even even Patrick Stewart had to force them to make Picard a little bit into the adventurous sex thing. Yeah, yeah. Like where he's on Riza and other things. Like never once is there, and even like I guess a relationship that you kind of like will they or won't they kind of thing like Riker and Troy. Yeah, 
It's still never like that's not a no. It's, that's not a real relationship. Yeah, they, they don't ever. Con- that's not how adults like conduct themselves. <laughs> in their no, that's not marriage. how adults can. Cont- yeah. And even if they do, you never see them like on year ten of their marriage, which like you are with Miles and Kanko. You do in the books. So, but that's a stupid thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. Okay. Well, I'll let that dangle. But like, yeah. um, Wikipedia folks, you can look that up. They, <laughs> they're married. He's got his own ship. They're old together, and they're serving on a ship together. The, the Titan? the Titan? Yes, the Titan series, Riker's captain. He's married to, to Troy, and they they serve together on the Titan. Okay. Hugh, I've, knew, I've, I've known you for 20 years. Do you read Star Trek books? I read Star Trek. Like, whenever I'm at the whenever, – whenever I'm at – I've never the, known this about no, you. No, no, no. I read the Wikipedia. Which <laughs> okay. <is>, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well – Okay. Um. Oh, speaking of marriage, that's what this episode is all about. We should get to the yes. A plot. Yes, to the A plot. <laughs> oh yeah, this this show isn't about O'Brien and Kate. It isn't. That's right. This is that's just a B plot that has thematic relevance to the A plot. Yes. Uh, yes, it does. It has yeah. relevance. Yeah, yeah. Because this is called House of Cork. House of Cork. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a Klingon house because this show opens up with Cork. Killing a Klingon, except not killing a uh, drunk Klingon falls on his knife. But I do like how they set it up from the beginning. This is the third episode of the season. This We're already moving into this arc television mm-hmm. where it's not strict. This is a pretty episode of the week kind of episode for DS9. It but is, still... but, but last week had an effect on what's happening this exactly. week. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And they mm-hmm. recap that mm-hmm. in a way that wasn't clumsy by having him complain about the business at the bar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, "Oh, I should have been an insurance man because it's fewer hours, more money, and less scruples." <laughs> now that everybody's left to go back to Bajor because the Dominion is a threat, I don't make any money. And then when Morn leaves, it's all over. And Ram is, "That's not a rule of acquisition." It's like, "Well, it should be." <laughs> yeah. And the bookends of this episode are. Ram and Quark just sitting there wistfully having conversations with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the, the, this is some good Quark stuff in this episode. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I think we started talking about it was just you have two alien groups who get to sort of just rub up against each other. And actually show the best of qual like the best qualities of each group sort of come out yeah. as a result. So it's kind of, is that been a, like, I'm trying to think you said that and I'm trying to think, is there, I mean, I'm sure there is a Star Trek episode where Data and Worf had to get out of a, a pickle. But that's not this. a culture. It's not, it doesn't take place on a home world. Yeah. It doesn't have to do with like cultural hangups, cultural traditions, Yeah, you know, a clashing. Yeah. This is, they're not even Federation. No, this is just yeah. pure, there's no nothing human or Federation about this at all. Mm-hmm. And it deepens the world building so well. There's a few yeah. humans. And you don't even have to, to do the heavy lifting because you know so much about Klingons. And if you watch the show, you know so much about Ferengi that you don't, oh, yeah. like. Yeah, yeah there's yeah, a lot of Klingon just, language in this one. Bakdor. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, they say Kapla. <laughs> it's like. You know, Blah. yeah, that's 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 a yes. big one, but you know, that's like, oh, good job, or whatever, uh-huh. yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah, good running through the plot, drunk falls over, falls on his knife, and then Cork realizes that he has a way to get business here, so he's like, I killed him, and he plays the hero and plays it up that he killed this Klingon to get business back in, he gets business back, but then the Klingon brother comes for vengeance, maybe, except convinces him that he killed the 
Klingon and honorable. Yeah, this is the sort of the complication of the complication of like an interesting, yeah, like the culture clash. Yeah, yeah, the the culture clash where it's the it's Quark's instinct to say that he accidentally died, but to a Klingon to die accidentally is more dishonorable than to die legitimately in battle. Yeah. So it would have been better for Quark to have said that he had murdered. Yeah. What a Calron, Carvac, or whatever his uh, name uh, is. Kozak. 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 He would have been better for him to say that he had murdered Kozak than to say it was accidental. And so to watch Quark sort of sidestep those little landmines. Yeah. It's just fun to watch. It's just good TV. Yeah, yeah. And then at one point, he, and he then he's like, oh, people finally respect me. Because a Bashir, and when they're burying, taking away the dead Klingon, Bashir and Oda are like, mm. he tells a story about how Valiant he fought. And they're like, you know, I was like, why don't they press charges against him? He killed the guy. I was like, they're like, we don't believe for a second that you actually killed the guy. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And then afterwards, he's like, and then Rom's like, you're going to tell him the truth, right? And he's like, it's not about Latinum anymore. It's about respect. Because I've struck a blow for Ferengi everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's what it's interesting about this is the next step is we find out that, uh, well, we eventually find out after Cork gets uh, kidnapped by the Grilka, Grilka the, that the guy who visited him earlier wasn't, in fact, his brother, but a head of a powerful Klingon yeah. house De Gore. Who, did it, who did it to trick him. And what's interesting is that all Klingon palace intrigue has a veneer of like honor, mm-hmm. but there's an undercurrent of normal politics and conniving that goes on under it. Oh, yeah. A- and and that's what makes the Klingons interesting, is that they have so much posturing on top that they have to maintain. But underneath mm-hmm. it, they have normal politics just, just like the rest of us, you know, just like Ferengis yeah. and just like humans. And what they can do, they have their own like, political correctness so to speak (laughs) that they have to like navigate in order to to like win politically yeah yeah so she she told a true and then they teleport i wrote i wrote down all these klingon words i want to say and then they and then they get to the klingon they get to chronos real fast like sometimes yes or who knows how long this is the only scene by the way tidbit this is the only scene in all of deep space nine that takes place on chronos Really? Well, they picked a great one for it. Out yeah. of all of the things that happened with the Klingon Empire over the yes. course of the next four seasons, five seasons, this is the only episode that takes place on Kronos. Really? Even which was shocking to me. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I said. Yes. <laughs> even yeah, okay, apparently. I was like, oh, I don't want to talk about. Even the way of the warrior. I know what you're. Even the way even of the warrior. The, and all even of that. the okay. All right. <laughs> I have I have apparently driven ire from our fan base by questioning Memory Alpha and. <laughs> Memory Alpha. I got this from Memory Alpha. Right. So. Oh well, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to fight. Rose. I am going to say it's right. Well, if they if they take umbrage with with you you criticizing Memory Alpha or doubting it, they can well, they can voice their opinion. Oh right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I got to start. True. Rem, I got to yeah. start memorizing that that number to just put it out. Whenever. Well, we can insert that here mm-hmm. at like nine one seven. Four zero eight three eight nine eight. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah. So if you take umbrage with anything that James says on Twitter or on the show, please contact us. <laughs> yeah, I want your umbrage. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so anyway, it turns out that the guy that accidentally killed himself owed this powerful Klingon money because he of just bad business practices, mm-hmm. and this widow needs Quark's help to take her house back. Well, she would have been okay if he didn't... Open his mouth. If he did go ahead and admit that it was an accident, 
they may have given her special dispensation. But since he claimed it was an honorable battle, then the guy has full reign just to take over the house. Exactly. Except that Grilka is very smart, so she's like, oh, it was an honorable battle, then I'm going to uh, throw a true teleport you away and then then do the the ritual, the brektat. <laughs> you just wrote all conversations. I did because I wrote down all the Klingon, and then and then Quark doesn't know what the hell I just said either, and he's like, "What?" Because then Tumek is like, "All right, you say this now," and he's like, "Uh, go Luke, go Luca." Uh, see, I'm speaking. Uh, and some maybe we have listeners that are just like, "Man, his Klingon is terrible." I'm sure. But I'm sure. what I just did was a Klingon marriage ceremony, and now I'm married to Grilka or something like, to myself because I said both. Yes, parts. who's played by Mary Kay Adams, who is a direct descendant from John and John Quincy Adams. Is that right? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Way to bury the lead. <laughs> <laughs> a direct descendant. We got, we got a real daughter of the revolution on this show. <laughs> She is a direct descendant of John Adams, yes. I'd like never in our, like if we could tell John Adams how his direct descendants <laughs> ended up, he couldn't fathom it. Yeah, it, it, went, it went solid there for a long time, all the way to Henry Adams, and then it just all shattered. Yeah, wow. no. My grandmother was a member of the DAR. Are you your DAR? Daughters of the American Revolution. I just know of it from the Gil- I knew I know of it from the Gilmore Girls. I don't know. <laughs> sure. I was never at a debutante ball. We're from the South. We're from other war f- families. War yeah, blood. I do have, Fort I war do have Robert E. Oh, my grandmother was also a member of the Daughters of the Confederacy. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, that's where we all, I, we all. We're more from the DAR and my yes, <laughs> DAC. Yes. Oh, I'm my, related to Robert E. Lee by marriage. Oh, but so so was George Washington. Were you from the? I I have no idea which line. By the uh, oh, okay, I, it, the I forgot. It was yeah. Mm-hmm. This is not what this podcast is about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah George Wasp podcast. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I'm going to go to the deep deep on American history. Yeah, Robert E. Lee married. I do declare. Tell me about your upbringing. He so married. Uh, he married George Washington's adopted are granddaughter. You from blended gentry class, or you <laughs> yes. white trash? All right, Senator Thurman. Can we get back to Star Trek? <laughs> Welcome to everybody to genealogy talk. Here. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. So, uh, but anyway, I would, let me get this. Okay. So at some point, a scene happens i thought i'd seen this episode before i apparently watched the sequel to this episode from season five so i'd not seen this episode since like maybe 1994 and so they turn a corner and then do a scene they go into a scene and in the middle of the scene is fucking galron right, yeah and i shit i shit my pants because galron is amazing <laughs> yes, yes. and like yeah i was like whoa, and whoa, i was whoa. like galron oh whoa 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 Unex- i always talk about unexpected ducat you get on these episodes but we got unexpected galron yeah mev yop <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> exclamation i was uh I, I shit my pants i was like oh fuck this is a galron episode well yeah i haven't had a chance to talk about my deep love of the all of ronald d moore's klingon work from the next generation but i got deep love and so this is one of my oh, yeah. like this, brick by brick we're building some some love yeah, on this rehash is a few things that he set up from the klingon culture yes yeah, so I mean, Galron is like a Ronald D. Moore creation. I don't think anyone else has ever wrote him. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe later on in this show where it becomes more of a sure, you know sure. sort of a you know week to week. But I mean, like it was whenever Galron was on a show that was Ronald D. Moore's show in Next Generation. Same with this. So like it was fun to you know you're like oh yeah like he sticks that shit in everywhere to the irritation of I, to the I think 
you know, joking irritation of Iris Stephen Bear, okay. who has a quote on Memory Alpha about like he said, sometimes I think that Ronald D. Moore is really Gowron, <laughs> like that he's sneaking off. Like, but other than that, yeah, yeah well, it's because uh, the producers were also like, we love Klingons, people love Klingons, yes, put more Klingons in. It's like, mm-hmm. but I want to do my Ferengi show. <laughs> Sorry, people like yes, Klingons, and it's just they raise his peanut butter cup of, <laughs> of Ferengi, <laughs> yeah. So, yes. oh, and then, yeah, Quark goes up and mar- and goes to Gowron and like, oh, I'm married to him now. And then uh, Degore is like, this is bullshit. And then Gowron's like, sorry. Yeah. And then Grilka is like, all right, well, you shouldn't have spoken up. Because Quark was like, oh, um, actually, in the Kalingon service. And Grilka's like, I told you to be quiet. And then Quark is like, okay, you're pretty smart getting this far, but you don't know what the fuck you're doing anymore, do you? And it's like, um, no shit. <laughs> and then he's like all right well how about we make this a more equal partnership shall we like oh okay so yeah this episode's all about marriage and actual like functional relationships with people yeah and then she goes she's like oh let me look at your ledgers and it's like oh that's not klingon we can't settle this with your math and accounting and quirk it's like look i'm a frankie fuck off let me into your joust slash 70s jukebox it really looks like a joust cabinet from like the old video game jousting yeah there's a pachinko machine over on the wall next to it yeah there is actually oh by the way in that scene that you're talking about there is actually props from the trouble with tribbles set really all over that all over that yeah they're very i, I get the for that ronald d moore is a real fan of star trek Oh yeah, like, or he was, and so like up until Voyager, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, well, it was <laughs> like before, yeah, yeah, not so much anymore. But you know, I think that yeah, so he was sticking all that shit everywhere. Yeah, in those room, in that room, Grilka's room, there was tons of trouble with Tribbles props and shit. Hmm. Nice, and then so yeah, the court goes in and bores everybody with his accounting, and they're like, oh shit, uh, and then Degore comes in, which says, he's discovered that Degore has completely like. Oh, yeah. It's been systematically sort of defunding the... House of Kozak. Yeah, yeah, the wealth of the family. And he's done that through a lot, you know, I don't know. Like, I get the feeling that Quark was like the guy who... Ponzi uh, schemes and like... Yeah. And being a, he's been running Trump's game. He's got, he's got, he's Klingon Amway yeah, is yeah. what it was. <laughs> he was running a prison. I like that. It would be great if uh, Klingons were really prone to pyramid schemes. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. So all you're saying is I've got to find five more Klingons. <laughs> That's a genius. Right. And then they find five right. Klingons. And they all the honor gets kicked up to you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But the fact that he's been doing this through financial manipulations is like, like not cool for Klingons. They're like, it's, yeah, oh, my not... God, this is disgraceful if this is true. So Quark is like, this is this is what it is. And they're like, their eyes glaze over and mm-hmm. they're like, oh, shit. And Degore comes in. He gets to use he gets to use his superpower because Klingons are all about power and they have, you know, super strength and all that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. And then you would think that like he's bringing in such a weakened creature amongst this world. But like he was really like he got to find a, like, a level where he gets to use his superpower against their superpower. It's fun to watch. Yeah, it really is. And then they're <laughs> bored out of their minds and Degore comes in and says like, Oh shit, I'm caught. Well, I'm just gonna charge you. This is an offense to me, so I challenge you. And the Klingons are, uh, the Gore looks like a dick on this, but this math and money stuff is really boring, and he just wants to fight. Okay, I'm on board with that. <laughs> I also thought they were they were a little threatened by the his prowess. It's like, yeah. don't you get the impression that they that was they were making him nervous that he like yeah you elitist with your book learning <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you know how that some people get a little defensive when you actually know something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they and they don't expect well, or how like a mob of people who are ignorant uh-huh. are threatened by people who yeah I'm yeah. trying to think about any yeah. time in American history where that maybe have come up. I know you're gonna have to stretch your mind <laughs> you got to go back way way in the machine like way back in the way back machine here right you- well it turns yeah so I got I got a feeling I might be projecting onto Star Trek a little bit here maybe I'm. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, but I got the sense that they didn't care for his book learning too much. <laughs> yeah, yes. Hey, we we've had our 2016 election. I think now. it's safe to say that all our problems are solved. Yes, correct? we had. <laughs> yes, things are great. <laughs> now, um, I think that yes, uh, we've often talked about how uh, Ferengis are. If they are, if there is a human equivalent, uh, it is uh, a very unsavory representation towards a certain uh, historically nomadic chosen people. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, there is a lot of hatred amongst uh, people who don't understand high finance <laughs> against this people group historically. So I think, yes, I think that you are, I think you are correct to read some sort of aversion to that in this episode. Right. And I and they're like, well, why don't we just, yeah, we'll get back to our cultural norms and right. uh, try to kill yes. you. Yeah. Fight. Yeah. Fight. Except yes. He also brings in Rom as a witness. Yeah. No, he doesn't. The bad guys bring Rom. That's what I'm saying. The, That's what he's saying. Oh, I, I'm oh, sorry, yeah. I, oh, I thought you said no, 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 no. That was a little, that was like the one kind of uneven. Like, was there a missing scene? I here? actually no, no. What that was? That was uh, the commercial break twist at the end of the second act. Yeah, you know when, and I thought structurally, I really thought structurally that worked. Of course, they would strong arm the one guy there. I mean, that made sense to me. Oh, that, that they would strong, and then Rom would be weak enough that, like, I, I really like that. Oh, I, I, the, the turn. To, I felt like there was a missing scene after that that they couldn't fit. I, I agree. That was a good turn to bring Rom in, but instead of like there was a scene. Instead, I expected after that a scene of like Quark saying, "Rom, you son of a bitch." You better not say, <laughs> you better turn around and say, I fought valiantly, but there's not. They're just like, oh, we have a witness. We bring him in. And like no, the Godfather 2 scene where they try to strong arm their brother into like not, not testifying against yeah, the other yeah, brother. But they're just like, yeah. we just skip over that in the commercial break. And then by the time we get back from break, Rom has, you haven't seen Rom give any witness testimony to Galron. And it's just Quark and Rom in, in Grilka's house or in the house of Quark. <laughs> Because Quark has to fight Degore tomorrow. And he's like, fuck this. Let's get out. Brother, brother, come on. We have to get out of here. (laughs) And then she's, and so they try to run off. And then Grilka and Tumek, her manservant, find him. And then she's a little bit hurt. It looks like he was played by Dennis Hopper, by the way. (laughs) The whole time I was like, why would Dennis Hopper take this role? But it wasn't Dennis Hopper. Yeah, that guy was too tall to be Dennis Hopper. I know, but he looks just like Dennis (laughs) Hopper and Klingon. If you were going to stick Dennis Hopper and Klingon makeup, yeah, that was exactly what he would look like. Oh, and we skipped um, over my favorite moment between Grilka and Cork is when he's figured out how to solve her problems or whatever, and she's like, "I'm really like I really am grateful for everything you've done for me, but if you and that's why I'll let you take your hand off my thigh before." Yeah, that was. It's like yeah. this is where we get Cork uh, Clooney, the most suave Frangi in the world. Yeah. Unfortunately, Quark is going to be Quark. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's got, yeah. And he can almost get there, but I mean, I, I think that that's, that's a bridge too far to think that Quark could ever convincingly no. m- mount a claim. No, it is, but, <laughs> yes. hey, but he made a shot. He took a chance. He took a shot, man. That's oh. what you got. I mean, you know, he, he always, he understands uh, when to take a risk. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, he does in this very episode. And then, because then Groka's like, oh, Patak, let them go run away. We'll figure this out. 
and then they cut back to the cha- your newfound love of the Klingon language is, is attractive hey, to me. Like, hey, I'm man, like, I went to that, that Haley Center uh, <laughs> event that I did. I went to a Klingon language seminar. Did you really? I did. There was a, they had a lady with hair down to her ankles that was an expert in Klingon. No way. <laughs> Very nice woman. I didn't talk to her personally, but she. That's she, amazing. Wait, is hair down? You mean like so she was like a part time crystallologist or something <laughs> she like that? Could have been, but hey, I'm not here to shit talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not here. If you're a part-time crystallologist, that's great. I'm not here to judge. She's been in Klingon makeup and cosplay before. You're probably a type. But, but she's, she's nice. Yes. Because her Klingon was mm, impeccable. But mm-hmm. It was impeccable. Yeah. And then, so, yeah, Quark runs away. She's left in the chamber with Gowron and Tagore to fight. And then Quark shows up the last minute and is all honorable. Except he's not. Except he is. Because, yeah. No, yeah. He's playing a trick. It's a great exp- way of... He saves the day by being a Ferengi. Oh, oh, and speaking about the non-human, they do have a little bit of humanity where he says there's an old Klingon saying where dis- where um, discretion is the better part of valor. It's like, is that, I mean, not a fer- there's an old Ferengi saying that discretion is the better <laughs> part of valor. Like, um, is that a Ferengi? The Ferengis have been stealing that shit from <laughs> right? history. Uh, well, it's a phrase that is a lot better, and it's a ring original Ferengi. We'll just yes, that. that's a nod to the Star Trek Undiscovered mm-hmm. Country, isn't it? Maybe. Where it says you should you should read the you know the Shakespeare and the original Klingon. Original Klingon. Klingon. But yeah, they, they, uh, if they made a reference to it being a better aphorism yeah. in the original Ferengi, maybe it just maybe. Seems- but I just thought that they were just kind of like I mm-hmm. I thought it was just like a light nod. I don't think it, it was, was like a, a hard. I mean, it felt like you know this is it worth the paper that it was written on. Yeah. Like no, I think no, it's no. supposed to. It's it was supposed to feel familiar. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I agree. I agree with that. I explained it away to myself pretty readily. Like, oh, the Ferengis just stole that from humans and claimed it for their own. <laughs> right. Put a rule of acquisition. There's, there's, no rule, there's no number to that one. It's just a Ferengi saying. I mean, they didn't call it that. But... Clearly, they must have stolen. Or yeah, yeah. at least I don't know. It would have been nice if it, they claimed the same way that that it's much better in the original Klingon is a joke. But whatever. It's fine. Yeah. So he comes in. He doesn't have a weapon, and he basically doesn't. He doesn't fight Degor. Degron is that, is that what his name is? Like yeah. he's not like, to fight. I'm a little Ferengi. But, yeah. but he doesn't fight it. It's, this would be a joke for you. Mm. You just this, that, you Klingons just want your way and pretend you're all better. But like, come on, you know that I can't win this fight. Mm-hmm. And so by highlighting that, it, it sort of it forces Degore because he's willing to attack mm-hmm. the, a defenseless Ferengi, yeah. and which turns Gowron. And Gowron's like, "No, what the fuck's wrong with you?" And so it basically turns the whole tables, and it's a, it's a satisfying little a little conclusion. Yeah. Oh, and then they have. A full Worf back turn that Worf got, where they turned their backs to him, you know, like when yep when Worf got kicked oh, out of the house. Yes, of oh my god, that's a great moment. They had, yeah, yeah, yep. awesome moog. Yeah, they do the same thing to to Gore, and then oh, and, that's yes, and that, in fact, there's just in general all kinds of like the ascent of Gowron, like that house of Moog stuff that was in. Next generation, right? There was just sort of a lot of which Ronald D. Moore wrote, so he's making allusions to his own work. But clearly, like it, it worked to me as like a man writing, you know, these sort of you saw this in a in a more extreme and more serious light in Next Generation, and playing it not for not for like yucks, but like playing mm-hmm. it in as a, as a lighter episode. Oh yeah, 
really worked for me. And and doing it with Gowron, everybody's in character still, but it was like like that was fun. That's Star Trek at its most fun. Like later on, they'll do the tr- the yeah yeah troubles or trials and tribulation episode where they redo. Oh, tri- it's yeah. Great. yeah, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's and good then- fun, you know. And like and so this uh, like I feel like this episode, this that scene where everybody turns their back. I feel like that was like the this is when when they're doing it good when when these throw off and I don't want to say it's a throw off episode I love this episode but like it's not key to the mythos of no. <laughs> Deep Space Nine but like these smaller episodes where they it strikes the right tone it makes you interested it's character focused but it's still they still it's still light and fun it's not serious or like you know <laughs> mm-hmm. wrist slitty like it's 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 yeah yeah there's there's one but it's that, not like goofy it's not like you know wallace sean chasing like a transvestite <laughs> right. hey, 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 like, hey, no spoilers. transvestite well, ferengi around yeah. no that was before that was uh oh, right. the, sorry oh shit uh-huh rules of acquisition my own yeah <laughs> Hey, yeah, there's some. That's, my, there's that's some, on me, man. Don't well, bring it. Hey, don't. There's don't spoilers ahead. Too. Reference my own mistake I just made. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're in. So I mean, that's yeah. So it's not too goofy. Yeah, it's yeah. a perfect tone. I, I like. This and then th- then it's just Quirk and Grilka, and she's like, oh, she's. How can I repay you? I want a divorce. I mean, it's lighthearted and it's fun. And it's good, but that was his. He's gets. He's got that response real fast, and then she's like, oh, I I can give you a real quick. I can give that to you real fast. Ghost cha. And he's like, huh? And then slaps the hell out of him. <laughs> and then she, and then they make out. Like, it's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, he still gets a little, he still gets a little, a little Yeah, she taste. doesn't spit nice. after, she doesn't do a spit take after she kisses him that time. Like she did the first when they got married. Mm-hmm. And then they bookend it again with yeah. Quirk and Rom sitting at the bar on DS9 being wistful. And then Rom says, "Money, money, money isn't everything." And yeah. Then, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, if the father were alive, he'd wash your mouth out with Galcor." I don't know what Galcor is. I guess it's the the thing I like his, about this. His effort. father Keldar, because he's Quark, son of Keldar, and Degor, son of oh, whatever. One of my favorite <laughs> things about this episode, in in the end, like a final thought that I had about this episode, is that. It feels like something that could have happened before Deep Space Nine took place. And this character could have come back and, mm-hmm. you know, had an interaction with Quark at the bar. And Bashir, somebody could ask who that was. And he could say, it's my ex-wife and it's a long story. And all that yeah. all that could feel very <laughs> true. Like, you feel like this is some sort of wild adventure yeah. that could have happened in somebody's younger days that comes back later on to play out for other reasons yeah and yeah so anyway that i just feel like it just just Mm -hmm. deepened the world quite a bit in fact grilka comes back in like season five i've seen that episode within the last like five months and i thought that this episode was that episode I've for, totally forgotten about this episode in my in my entire life. I've, I mean, I'm sure I've watched it because I watched every one a long time ago, but I don't remember this episode. So when I read that it was House of Quark, I thought it was the episode with Grilka that I'd watched from season five. Right. And so I thought that was how that episode started because yeah. he's like, oh, yeah, that was my wife. Oh, yeah. Like, I just... Uh, I were old with it in yeah, that episode without like, remembering this one. Yeah, so, it, uh, yeah, 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 it works perfect. Yeah, yes. This is what it, yeah. this is showing off quite a bit yeah. about what Star Trek can be beyond just the ideals of the Federation. Yeah, and how what kind of storytelling you could do mm-hmm. to deepen deepen the world building. Yeah, there's so much, and it's nice and sweet without being saccharine. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, respect is good, but Latinum's better. And then yes. at the end, Rom is like. 
Tell me the story, Quark. <laughs> no one's here to, to hear me tell it. I can't talk up customers. Well, you you, you can tell me. I want to hear it. And like, like, but it's like, it's sweet. It's nice. Yeah. It's a sweet little end. Yeah. Do you guys uh, want to talk about any guesses on what the IMDb people think? 8.3. Uh, yeah. Oh, I don't know. I, I'm going to go with 8. So, Wade, 8.3. James, 8.0. The actual, we have 638 votes, which is pretty high, and it is actually an 8.0, like James says. Okay. He hit that, he la- he stuck the landing. Oh. That's two in a row. That's <laughs> stuck the landing on that one. Is it? Oh, oh wow. no, maybe not. I don't know. What? No, it may. I don't know. I don't remember. I, don't, I might yeah, be. No, I might uh, be getting confused with the last one I listened to. Wow, which is not the last one we recorded. <laughs> yes. Wow. All right. No, I'm glad that everybody feels that way about this one. I was, you know, you don't hear a lot of talk about this episode, so yeah. so that's good. And in fact, we are moving into. We've enjoyed the last three episodes, the first three episodes of the season. <laughs> You're due for a stinker. I no, no. I'm willing to say that in the next four episodes after this. I think are okay. really good. I haven't checked the, what is the next one. I haven't even looked to see. Equilibrium, yeah. The next episode is Equilibrium, which is a Jadzia Dax episode where you actually go back to the Trill homeworld because uh, they fucked up her worm. Oh. Yeah, so it's a, it's a Trill lore episode, which is pretty interesting. But it's like all Jadzia Dax episodes, it's a it's a Cisco heavy. It's really uh, a okay. Cisco episode. I was about to say, so, you just told us we have four good episodes up and then you just led into a, hey man, I've already turned a corner on Dax, but feel like you, no, this you, is a good ep- okay. equilibrium's a good episode. Just like just saying, you're very unkind to Terry. And then you have the second. <laughs> Then you have the Great Kira episode, Second Skin, after that. Oh, yeah. That and then the Jimadar oh, Orphan wow, okay. episode, right. which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you're good. So we're going we're going into All right. good territory here, man. Oh, well, and we also have the hotline you can call. <laughs> Let us know where we fucked up. And I don't even know how we'll address these stuff. All right. Hello again, and we are in doing the voicemail airing of grievances or still looking for better names if anybody's got them to suggest yeah send us names this is going to be like the bullpen uh, mailbag in the back of the comic books like we're asking you what this should be called you yeah. can let us know but uh okay we'll just jump right into it this week do we have a voicemail uh yeah yeah we have a quick voicemail here from laura and hi um my name's laura and I just want to say that I really love your podcast and Deep Space Nine, which I definitely agree is the best Star Trek out there. And also, I get a big kick how well you discuss all the Cardassians and how you always get a big kick out of every Garrick episode. I just want to say thank you for hosting such a great uh, look at all the shows. Well, thank you. Bye. All right, did y'all get that? He did. Yeah, was that Laura then? Yeah, that one's pretty straightforward. Yep. Yeah, well, I, we, I always appreciate, we always appreciate any positive feedback because Star Trek fandom can be pretty persnickety. And <laughs> when you get something when you get something wrong, they're quick to let you know. So yes. it's always nice. And I think it's nice to hear what people like in the show. Like, if you're a Garrick fan, let's hear it for Garrick, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. That's, so, yeah, thank you very much for that. Kind words and props to Garrick. And, you know, if you have more thoughts, feel free to give us a call again, Laura. We'd like to hear from you. I think Laura found us on our Tumblr oh, wow, and good. sent us a nice message via Tumblr. And I appreciate her leaving a voicemail. Sweet. All right. Uh, yeah, we actually got a couple more. Oh, a couple. All right. Hit it. We got another one today. And all right. All right, bro. Guys, this is uh, Michael Jarrell. 
Hey, I really enjoy the show, and I love the robot voice. But my question is, after the last episode of DS9, would you guys consider doing another series and uh, reviewing them, like Voyager or something? Thank you, guys. Uh, okay. I think I think that's a fair question, and I think that's one that we would get quite a bit, like a lot of people would wonder. Yeah. We really don't have a, a set timeline on – or like a series that we feel obligated to do after Deep Space Nine. Is that fair to say, guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 We're kind of in Deep Space Nine right now because our the thesis of our show is that it's uh, an important precursor to the golden age of television or peak TV, whatever. Whatever people are calling it. Whatever you yeah. write. And that this show specifically has some uh, importance that transcends just like Star Trek fandom. Uh, that being said, we think we like Star Trek, and we <laughs> might be, we we don't want to say no. We might be open to doing something yeah. with a Star Trek series, maybe something more contemporary um, <laughs> in the future. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, we, do we uh, want to? One thing that Star Trek that that we have kicked around is that Wade has never seen Enterprise. Yes. Oh, yes. As most of it seems like most of Trek fandom hasn't seen Enterprise either. And and I think me and Hugh are, are are quite fond of the show, at least in parts. And we want to force force Wade to watch it in a marathon, but we 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 don't know the proper avenue for doing that. We're thinking doing it on Twitch. Yeah, but it would take about four days to marathon it. So we're thinking about going to an A. <laughs> we're just mainlining it, Clockwork Orange style. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're just- <laughs> what we're thinking about is to is to go to an extended stay hotel. Yes. <laughs> like at a neutral spot because we all three live like making it and staying there for like seven days. Hook up a webcam <laughs> and live hook up a web like apparatus where people could check in on us or on Twitch and people can watch the episodes with us live for an entire week and make a real event out of it. But we're trying to figure out like cost analysis and logistics and we all live in different places and we could, we're flexible enough that we could figure it out. But I think the, maybe there might be a crowdfunding component to it. So I don't know, be on the lookout for that. And that's a project that we, we are interested in, but that's maybe a different method. Yeah, yeah. If it, and it, we would love it to come together, but it would have to come together right. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if enough people are clamoring for to, us to do something, right. let us know. We can set up a Patreon. I mean, who knows? If, like James hasn't watched all of Voyager, but if you want to see the three of us hang out in our underwear and get drunk and watch Enterprise for seven days, <laughs> I think that that can that can be arranged. So yes. Uh, what else is is next, Wade? Um. Okay, and then we have a couple things from. Twiggy. Uh, all right, again. hit it, Twiggy. Tell me one of them is an explanation of footy. Oh, I, uh, yeah, okay. that's the second one. <laughs> all right. Because, yeah, this is an international viewer. Morning, guys. Here is my feedback for the search part two, specifically in relation to Kira being Odo's semi-racist friend who doesn't realize that she's actually being racist. I think that it would actually be Odo's much more established racist friend in Chief O'Brien He would be getting into a conversation with some other people and then trying to stick up for Odo using his little outraged Irish accent where he's like, hey, now you're here just a second. One of my best friends happens to be a changey and I call him this all the time. (laughs) And then Keiko would get absolutely horrified at this and chastise the fuck out of him, calling him Miles Edward O'Brien. Then O'Brien has to go slink away, feeling bad about himself. And then we go on a journey with the chief 
where he discovers that, hmm, am I actually racist or am I not racist? And he's like, but, you know, I buy Odo all these funky objects for him to change into all the time to make him feel more welcome. Like, you know, I buy him big rocks and trees and jungle gyms and stuff, <laughs> and so I'm not really a bad guy. And then he goes and talks to Odo, and Odo speaks to him like he's a fucking four-year-old. And then, you know, Miles learns a big life lesson, and then we're all happily living ever after. <laughs> <laughs> O'Brien has like a, a like a it's O'Brien is in Crash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that god awful movie, but I yeah. get the joke. Everybody discovers they're racist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, that 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 would have made. That, I mean, that speaks that for itself. <laughs> thank, thank you for that, Dwayne. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to say. That yeah, like that would have been awesome. That would have been much better. Uh, we actually, and then we have uh, more from Twiggy addressing his footy. Yes. questions that we raised so let's just jump into that all right fellas hit it all right just a couple of other quick notes i'm really glad that someone else has pointed out how creepy odo is when he smiles it's like an anime panda bear being given some bamboo by his love interest she bear he just really unsettling also i don't think that odo would have learned any of the changeling secrets when he was being in the great link because every time that Odo links, he's basically like a 15-year-old boy seeing his first boob. He just goes completely weak at the knees and just does not take anything else in at all. Uh, some feedback to your feedback from my White Album of Season 2. I actually don't mind the Mirror Universe episodes, but I just have no place whatsoever in my White Album. They're at best uh, like a B-side recording that might, if they're lucky, come onto the 10th Anniversary Album Edition. And finally, trying to describe football. Uh, yes, it is in relation to Australian football. Uh, it's played with a ball that is pretty similar to an American football, uh, except it's on a oval-shaped oval. <laughs> and there's 18 players aside. Oh. And you can tackle people kind of like in uh, NFL, but everybody kicks the ball and handballs it. And... It's really, really fucking complicated to try and explain to somebody from overseas, but it's the greatest sport on the planet. And that's that. Cheerio. That that is that is right. one of like that's one of the best because you know we don't know this kind of shit. Yeah, so that, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. one of one of the things that all three of us have in common is if we don't know something, we love all the three of us love hearing about other people's oh, yeah. you know what they're enthusiastic about and knowledgeable about so cool thank you very much twiggy yeah thank you for that <laughs> yeah thanks all right uh and i think that about all right, covers yeah. all everything, right. right well do you want to give out the phone number one more time before oh yeah oh uh, i should have led with that what the fuck the phone number it's uh 917-408-3898 all right well, that's it for this week on the Rules of Acquisition. Be sure to leave us a voicemail and let us know what you're thinking, if we've screwed up or you agree with us or you hate us or we've, we messed up. Until then, yeah. If you really hate us. If you really hate us, we'll put you on our podcast yes. and you can tell all your friends to listen. Uh, especially call in if you're easily mockable. Uh, and then you can tell all your friends to listen to these people that you hate. So, and, 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 oh, man, it'll just drive us so mad. It'll make us so mad. And it'll, it'll burn us up so bad if you tell yeah. everybody to listen to our podcast. Yeah. That would be how to get real revenge. But in the meantime, uh, that's it for all of us. Uh, three to beam out. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? 
Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes. Please follow us on Twitter at AcquisitionPod and on Tumblr at the rules of acquisitionpodcast.tumblr.com. Please like and subscribe to my new Let's Play where I will be playing a game I developed where two innocent humans are forced to do battle because a sentient robot has injected them with incapacitating nanites and has programmed them to kill each other. I think it is really exciting and I hope you agree. Look it up on YouTube. My handle is Skynet was right humans are shit 69. Please click the link to leave a comment and let me know your home address. Thanks.